The Capital Gazette Murder Trial from Chris Gordon News and Vox Topica. Here's your host, Chris Gordon. In this three-week-long trial, jurors listened and took notes as they heard from psychiatrists, psychologists, and neurologists for the defense and prosecution who expressed opposing expert opinions. The defendant, Jared Ramos, had previously pleaded guilty but not criminally responsible for the mass shootings resulting in five murders at the Capital Gazette newspaper on June 28, 2018. The single question for the jury to decide was this whether at the time of the shootings, because of a mental disorder, Ramos lacked the substantial capacity to appreciate the criminality of his conduct or conform his conduct to the requirements of law. That's Maryland's insanity defense. The jury of eight men and four women got the case after lengthy and impassioned closing arguments at 1 p.m. They ate lunch, deliberated, and reached their unanimous verdict by 2.30. It was surprisingly fast. As they entered the courtroom, it was silent. Judge Michael Wax asked the jury, do you have a verdict? We do, Your Honor, they responded. Who will speak for you? Juror number one, who the judge had appointed foreman at the start of the trial, said, I shall, Your Honor. What's your verdict? The foreman answered in a clear, strong voice. The defendant is criminally responsible. A loud gasp came from the side of the courtroom where the families of the murder victims and survivors of the mass shooting sat close together, realizing that they finally got the justice they wanted from the court. 41-year-old Jared Ramos sat expressionless, motionless, silent, his long black beard covered by a black mask hiding any hint of what he was thinking. The verdict indicates the jury believes Ramos knew what he was doing and carried out his deadly attack in a cool, calm, and calculating manner. Ramos now faces the prospect of spending the rest of his life in prison. Lead prosecutor Ann Leitas, the state's attorney of Anne Arundel County, spoke outside the historic courthouse where the trial was held. This is a really bittersweet day here in Annapolis. It's the day that we've been waiting for for more than three years. It's a day of closure for the family and that they got to hear that the person who killed their loved ones or tried to kill them has been held criminally responsible. The families of the victims and survivors waited for the jury in the corridor outside the courtroom. They gave jurors a round of applause as they left. Photographer Paul Gillespie is a survivor who testified as a witness in the trial, saying that he felt the wind from the shotgun pellets as they whizzed past his head. As they were walking out and we were all applauding, I just thought it was incredible that I had three or four of them come up and shake my hand as they were were walking by. So they knew, you know, I think they probably known for a while that, you know, he needs to go to jail. The father of shooting survivor, reporter Celine Sanfelice, put it this way. We'll all sleep better tonight knowing that people like Jared Ramos are off the street. Again, I want to thank the police and state's attorneys for what they've done in three hard years. Three hard years we've suffered. 
and they put an end to our suffering. Thank you. During the trial, jurors heard defense experts testify they diagnosed Ramos with a delusional disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and autism spectrum disorder. But prosecution experts disagreed, testifying that Ramos has personality disorders, but that he planned and executed the mass shootings knowing exactly what he was doing. Forensic psychologist Dr. George Cowan diagnosed Ramos with schizotypic personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder to account for him being a social misfit. But prosecutors told the jury that personality disorders are not as serious as the psychotic disorders the defense claims Ramos suffered from. Psychiatrist Dr. Gregory Sadoff, a professor at the University of Virginia School of Medicine, interviewed corrections officers where Ramos has been held since his arrest, saying that Ramos is considered a model inmate. The psychiatrist saying this shows his ability to conform his conduct to the requirements of law. Dr. Sadoff said Ramos had an interest in leaving a legacy, how people would think about him in the future. He said Ramos left legacy tokens by sending letters out the day of the mass shootings that would identify him and his motives. It was a declaration of responsibility and linkage to the target, the Capital Gazette. After presenting three expert witnesses, the prosecution concluded with its key witness, psychiatrist Dr. Samir Patel from Maryland's Maximum Security Mental Hospital, Clifton T. Perkins. Dr. Patel is the court-appointed expert. He testified Ramos understood what he was doing and he knew he'd be arrested. Patel testifying he got what he wanted, his name in the paper. He's called Gazette in detention. Patel testified that he interviewed Ramos for about a total of 20 hours, writing a 120-page report. Patel said Ramos was very open, telling Patel he did a lot of planning and preparing for the shootings on June 28, 2018. Ramos saying he never owned or fired a gun before. He chose to buy a shotgun, although it's not good with accuracy because it does a lot of damage. Patel testified Ramos told him he intended to kill as many people as possible and that his only regret is that he didn't kill more. Patel related the chilling account of how Ramos thought he was done shooting after four people. He put down his gun and he intended to post a taunting tweet, but said that Paul Gillespie's laptop was a Mac and that Ramos didn't like Macs. He walked across the office looking for another computer and his eyes lit up when he saw editor Gerald Fishman hiding under a desk. Ramos saying if there was anyone he wanted to get, it was him. Ramos retrieved his shotgun, returned to Fishman saying, it's Gerald time. He pulled the trigger. Dr. Patel showing emotion as he testified. Ramos expressed joy. He felt delivering the line before ending Fishman's life Dr. Patel paused to collect himself and then continued. It's not something I normally see in forensics. Fishman's widow was in the courtroom. You know, like it's a terrifying, very painful three years passed 
and finally my husband my poor husband so have a little rest the parents of reporter Celine Sanfelice were visibly shaken when the psychiatrist testified that Ramos told him he regretted not killing Sanfelice and reporter Phil Davis when he learned that they hid and survived the attack. This is what her father later said. If you watch the evidence, you watch the trial, you saw that it was obvious that this man was a monster who needed to be put away permanently. Dr. Patel quoted at length from his interviews with Ramos, typing on his laptop while Ramos told him that he shot Rebecca Smith first. She tried crawling out the doorway that Ramos had shattered with a shotgun blast, but she collapsed on the shards of glass. Then reporter Wendy Winters charged at Ramos, shouting, no, 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 throwing a trash can at him, trying to protect others who were desperately looking for places to hide. Ramos thought there was no way that he was going to allow Winters to be a hero, and he shot her. Ramos telling the psychiatrist, this was about me, not her. Winters' daughter, Summerlee, was in court. Her two sisters couldn't be there. I do believe the legacy of Wendy Winter should live on. I hope that her name may be the one that lives in infancy instead of the defendant. I do not believe that he should live on as a name that needs to be remembered. Psychiatrist testifying legacy and notoriety motivated Ramos in planning the attack. Prosecutors say it was revenge, not mental illness. He attacked the newspaper after it published a report about Ramos pleading guilty to harassing a woman online. The article was published 10 years ago. It was entitled, Jared Wants to Be Your Friend. It angered Ramos. He objected to one line in particular that quoted him as saying, F you, leave me alone, to a woman who wanted nothing to do with him. He said it was inaccurate and killed his chances to ever have a social relationship because any woman who ever Googled him would find the article and that made him look crazy. Ramos demanded a retraction and apology from the newspaper. When he didn't get either, he filed a defamation lawsuit against the paper, its reporter Eric Hartley, and its editor. His case was dismissed and his appeals denied. Ramos believed that the justice system was broken and that the newspaper and Maryland's courts conspired against him. At first, he considered killing judges and attacking the Maryland Court of Appeals, but he realized it had armed guards, so he picked a soft target, the Capital Gazette. He planned the attack for a Thursday because that's when the community editorial board met at the newspaper. On that morning, Ramos sent out four letters that would arrive after the attack. One was a card to reporter Eric Hartley with a picture of the Gazette and a woman who was a member of the editorial board. She has four children. Ramos intended to orphan them by killing their mother. He wanted reporter Hartley to suffer survivor's guilt, feeling responsible. But the community board didn't meet that day. Dr. Patel, under questioning by prosecutor Ann Lytus, testified, he intended to kill you as well, Miss Lytus. 
Patel said, Ramos told me he was prepared for what he was ready to do and spend the rest of his life in prison. He knew there's no death penalty in Maryland. He knew the most he'd get would be life in prison. He wanted to turn his trial into a farce, a circus, and give the media a black eye. Dr. Patel said in all he found nine reasons why Ramos understood the criminality of his act and 12 reasons that Ramos could have conformed his conduct to the requirements of law. One of the most telling, he said, was that in preparing for the attack, Ramos sold his car, buying a shotgun, and barricades for the office exit doors to prevent victims from escaping. Ramos spent the last of his money that he had to buy a lifetime membership with the U.S. Chess Federation. The implication is that he wanted something to occupy his time in prison. Therefore, Dr. Patel concluded Ramos is criminally responsible according to the law of Maryland. Ramos intended to survive the attack. He called 911 saying he was the shooter. He was done. He was unarmed. He then removed the band holding back his long hair after hearing a police radio broadcast a lookout for a white male with a ponytail. Ramos laid face down under a desk nine minutes waiting for police to enter the offices. He didn't want to get shot. When he was spotted by an officer, he yelled, I surrender, I surrender. Dr. Patel testified Ramos had no remorse for what he had done. He had a sense of satisfaction, mission accomplished. He killed five of the 11 people who were in the Capitol Gazette offices that day. In closing arguments, defense attorney Katie O'Donnell suggested to the jury, there is no way to make sense of it. If you try to understand his motivation, you can't. It's not rational. It's all psychotic, a delusional disorder. This could only have been driven by mental illness. After the closing arguments and instructions from the judge, the jury was given the case to decide. Some had brought their lunches, others got their food from the courthouse cafeteria. Andrea Chambly, the wife of murdered reporter John McNamara, says she was informed that 44 minutes after they got lunch, the jurors reached their verdict holding Mr. Ramos criminally responsible. The prosecutor says she feels confident Ramos will be given the maximum sentence allowed by law, five sentences of life without parole. Andrea Chambly says for some of the victims' families and survivors, the fight is not over. I call on our officials to keep firearms out of the hands of dangerous people. I call on our governor who vetoed background checks and all of our public servants at all levels to step up and do what other public servants around the world have been able to do, protect their constituents, their fellow citizens, and their countrymen safe from dangerous gun violence. The day before testimony began in the Capitol Gazette murder trial was the third anniversary of the mass shootings. The city of Annapolis, Maryland, dedicated a memorial to the victims. It's called the Guardians of the First Amendment Memorial. It's a place for the community to remember those killed and reflect on the importance of the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, in particular, the importance of freedom of press. Five pillars standing for the victims 
killed on June 28, 2018, doing their jobs as journalists and staff. Gerald Fishman, John McNamara, Rebecca Smith, Rob Hyacin, and Wendy Winters. There's a plaque quoting the First Amendment and one with the front page of the Capitol Gazette reporting on the mass shooting that the staff was determined to publish that day, despite the fact that their office was a crime scene and they worked under difficult conditions. In their words, they were determined to put out the damned paper. Capital Gazette Murder Trial Podcast is produced by Chris Gordon News and Vox Topica. Special thanks to Robin Fader Photography and Deborah Cohen Gordon. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you.